podcast, business as you've ever heard before. Now, belt up and shut up. It's going to be a bumpy flipping ride. Actually, with Anchor and Spotify's new agreement to allow music to be played, I figured I'd reach down to the depths and play a little Velvet Revolver for everybody out there. I know a good buddy of mine back in Peoria, Illinois, loves Velvet Revolver, loves the that song Slither, and I thought, what better way to do a new intro and the pay tribute to one of the greatest rock and roll bands that never really happened. And give a shout out to an old buddy back in Peoria, Mr. Billy Sticks. So there, hope we like that intro. We'll probably be doing some different intros in the future as well. Good evening, morning, afternoon, or whenever and wherever you're listening to us. Welcome to another episode of the podcast that is authentic, shameless, I'm unapologetic, and raw. This is the Hit Business Podcast, hashtag biz with the beard. This is business as you've never heard before. Places, please, the dance is about to begin. I'm your host, the man who doesn't always need a plan all the time, because all I need is my beard. I am Curfee Smith. You're a pushy little bastard, ain't you? And today is another solo shot, so hang in with me, as the next few weeks we will be having some amazing guests, but I needed to come on and do another solo shot tonight. I did a video this week on social media that sparked my enthusiasm and was also sparked by a recent interaction with a client and their sales team. So that's why I'm going to do this topic today and share it with you because I think it was really important. But before we get into that, I want to make mention that this is the last week of the 2020 Real Men Wear Pink campaign run by the American Cancer Society. And yours truly is an ambassador for that campaign, and I'm raising money to help fight breast cancer. So here's what I need you to do, listeners. This is it. This is the last week we can do this. I need you to go to my listener support on our podcast page at anchor.fm biz with the beard and hit the listener support button i need you to donate whatever you can one dollar two dollar ten fifteen one hundred a thousand dollars whatever you can to help fight breast cancer if i can get to five thousand dollars this week i will shave my beard on video and put it all over social media on top of that by hitting that listener support button 100% of those proceeds for the month of September and October will go to the American Cancer Society. Now, if you want to donate directly to the campaign, all you have to do is go to my Real Men Wear Pink page, the American Cancer Society, and donate directly to the campaign. And that address is main.acsevents.org slash go to slash Curfee, and that's spelled C-U-R-P-H-Y for those of you who do not know how to spell curfee, which is probably mostly everybody. But there you can donate and help fight this deadly disease. And lastly, this is the last week to get these as well, folks. The official hashtag biz with the beer podcast is offering amazing merchandise over the next week. This is it, the last week I'm doing this. 
that's going to help a raise awareness to fight breast cancer. And 100% of the gross profits of those t-shirt sales will go to my Real Men Wear Pink campaign. Now, the merch we got includes some very cool black and heather gray snapback hats. Uh, also, it has a pink biz with the beer logo and a pink ribbon on it. We also have a very cool gray t-shirts that say Real Men Wear Pink. Um, you get them fitted. We have racerbacks for the ladies. Very high quality material. Like I said, regular or slim fitted. But again, 100% of those profits are going to the Real Men Wear Pink campaign. Also, I want to thank all our listeners for listening in. You are why I do this. I enjoy it each week. Each month, I hear our listenership go up. I watch the analytics. I'm amazed with where some of the people are listening to us from, from all over the world, even outside this world, like California. Wait a second. Just kidding, guys. No, I really appreciate my uh, uh, California peeps. I really appreciate that. Thanks for the support. Tremendously, tremendously. So what I wanted to talk to you about today is why your sales team isn't performing. And there's a lot of reasons why, and there's a lot of reasons I coach to that. Um, but I wanted to talk about three types of individuals, I would say, that might be on your sales team that are affecting the, your whole sales force and maybe affecting your whole company, right? Now, when we usually go into someone's uh, business and try to help them restructure their sales team and do sales training for them and create sales processes. One of the first things we do, and you hear a lot of consultants do it, a lot of gurus, is if we're going to do any type of revenue improvement in our revenue improvement guy, when I say ours, I mean ACS, ACS executives, we believe that analysis, self-assessment, and self-awareness it's probably the most important step. And this methodology is just critical in improving your sales team. And this theme is actually just repetitive throughout the ACS executive culture. No matter if we're looking at operations, sales, what have you, finances, that theme is repetitive. Self-assessment, self-awareness, analysis, that theme is repetitive everywhere. And it should be a part of everybody's business. Now, your sales team may be underperforming, and this is part of self-awareness self and, and the assessment, because you created a culture of losing. Now you're thinking, oh, well, Kirby, that's not fair. How's it my fault, man? I'm not the one out doing the sales. It's my sales team. No, <laughs> Jack, it is your fault. You've created this culture of losing, and here's how. And, and you've done it. You've done it by simply complaining and just like I said, and having a lack of perspective of what is going on. And it's funny because sometimes I will sit with a client and, and do an assessment with them. And one of the questions I ask them is, uh, you do realize your sales team sucks because of you. And, I, and it's funny to watch the fa facial reactions. You know, if the guy's got an ego or the lady's got an ego, they, they kind of get defensive. What's the reality? You created this culture. You did the hiring. You structured the commission plan. You structured the pay structure plan. You run the sales meetings. You're supposed to coach these individuals. You 
can't handle the truth. You're going to blame them? No, nah, that's all on you, man. So like I said, your sales team sucks. And they're underperforming because you have created this culture. And now all you're doing is complaining and bitching and moaning and refuse to gain any type of perspective of what is truly going on in your organization. And that's why you come to me. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not going to pat you on the back. I'm not going to say, oh, it's okay. Things will get better. Don't worry. No. What I'm going to say is if you want to create a winning culture, Jack, you need to self-reflect. And you need to do this with every problem and every improvement opportunity that you have within your organization, not just in the sales part. Bottom line, man, you need to do five things. Audit what your team and you do well. Number two, you need to audit what they don't do well. And then establish a plan to fix the issues. Or outsource it to someone to do it for you. Call us. We'll do it. Why? Because we have an ACS executive seven-step problem-solving methodology that works. Very similar to a lot of big, large corporation methodologies that they use. We've dumbed it down to a lot of small and medium-sized businesses where people can implement it in their organizations. And when you do this, Number four is you need to remember to stay in your lane. Don't try to fix everything yourself. You're the CEO of the organization. You're the sales manager. Do not try to fix everything in your, for yourself. Stay in your lane. And lastly, the thing that drives me flipping nuts, stop blaming, complaining about everybody in your organization and start to invest in your people and take ownership of bad performance. I believe, my organization believes that self-improvement starts with self-replacement. And if you can't do that, there ain't a damn thing that I've got for you that's going to work. I mean, the reality is you just can't keep adding new ideas and strategies to make yourself better without self-auditing of yourself. And if you lack the ability to change of who that person is, you will continue to struggle. I don't care if you bring me in. I don't care if you bring Grant Flipping Cardone in. I don't care if you bring Gary V in. It's not going to work. So that's the first step, right? Or the first five steps. But I wanted to bring this up because there are three types of individuals in your sales organization. Once you get through all that self-assessment stuff, right? There are three types of individuals that are probably hurting your sales team. Now, the first thing is well, if, they, if they're doing damage to my sales team, they're doing damage to the culture within my sales team or my organization, I should just fire them. Well, no, it's not that easy, man. It's not that easy. And here's why. The first person I want to talk about, that person's called a mercenary. Or we call them a mercenary. 
So who is this person? Who, who is this mercenary individual, right? Well, here's how I define it. A mercenary is a person who takes part in conflict and they're motivated to take part in that conflict and hostilities by a desire for private gain, right? So you, you see in the movies, mercenaries, they want to get involved in conflict for their own personal gain, right? At the end of the day, hey, man, they're getting paid. So I want to get involved. I want to do this. And I'm going to create havoc uh, for my personal gain. So I call him a mercenary. Does this sound like anybody on your sales team? Probably does. If you have a struggling sales force, it's probably what it is. It could be, one of, it could be a mercenary. Now, they might not even be a bad performer. The fact, they might be talented. Um, it could be one of your best for performers. However, they still thrive on conflict and like to create problems so they can gain from them. Like I said, these type of sales individuals are probably exceptional contributors to your team. But basically, they're just high maintenance. Now, you notice I use the term talented when I described them earlier, right? And if that's, it's probably the case. Because if they're not talented, then, you know, an employee who's just playing difficult without being talented or has no potential uh, should probably just be managed out of the organization. But the reality of this topic in the mercenary is that difficult employees, they just suck the life and the time out of managers and your team regardless of their performance. Regardless if they're a star, the rest of your team suffers. And, and, it's, and, and you're left with the basic old 80% of your revenue is being generated by 20% of your team. Right? He's generating 80% of your revenue. The rest of your team ain't generating anything because he's created these issues and what have you. And now he's gaining personally, but the rest of your team sucks. Um, I keep saying that today. Sorry, Mom. Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? Um, <laughs> additionally, this person causes you a lot of soft costs, right? And dealing with employees, HR issues, onboarding and offboarding of other individuals, etc. And they're making you do behaviors as a manager that are not making you money. So how do we deal with a mercenary? So how do you deal with it? Right? He's talented, but man. It's just, you know, other people are upset with him or her, and I'm just spending a lot of time. It's not easy. A mercenary is a very difficult one to handle, right? Because they are usually a talented individual. The first thing you need to do is just confront them and make them aware. Now, don't be confrontational when I say confront them. I mean, make them aware. You as a sales manager, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a lot of things. I'm going to back up one second. Let me put the brakes on screech back right one of the things I see one of the biggest failures and this could probably be a whole nother podcast topic is where I see managers or sales managers who are promoted because they were great salesmen but they lack a lot of management capabilities 
So what the organization and executives over them think, well, if I can hire this person as my salesperson, he can get everybody else to do it. Well, that usually doesn't work. I think the great Magic Johnson, I mean, remember Magic Johnson? You know, some of the younger listeners might not remember Magic Johnson, but Magic Johnson is one of the greatest point guards of all time, played for the Los Angeles Lakers. And when he retired, he got into coaching and he quit. He was a horrible coach, absolutely horrible coach. And he admits it, self-awareness, right? And they asked Magic, why, you know, you're such a great player, one of the greatest, maybe on the Mount Rushmore of basketball, I don't know, might, might be a little stretch, but he, he, he's definitely up there in top 10 in my mind. How did you fail as a coach? And he says, because I could not understand how the average or below average player couldn't execute like I could. So even though he was a talented individual on the court, he could do things and put, push his mind and his body in certain ways, but he couldn't get other people to do it. And that's what you have happen a lot in these sales organizations is you hire somebody who is a fantastic salesperson, but they don't have the ability to interact or connect with individuals to bring them up to that level. And so as an organization, you continue to fire and let people go and keep trying to bring people in and what have you. And what we're going to do now is make those individuals try to manage their sales team the proper way. So getting back to where we're at now, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make things uncomfortable for you, right? We're not just going to have you go out on sales calls and sit with people and dot, dot, dot. You need to actually manage behaviors of your organization and let's talk about the behaviors of how you approach a mercenary within your organization or your sales team. You need to make them aware. Confront them positively. You as a sales manager must make sure that your mercenary is aware of the problems that are causing on the sales team or in the, in the workforce. And a mercenary, it's easy for a mercenary to be completely blind to this, right? It's easy for them not to even realize their behavior is distracting. But you, as a sales manager, need to arrange to meet with the mercenary and explain how the behavior is affecting his teammates and the culture within your organization. And doing that, the next step you need to take is to gain an understanding. The mercenary needs to show a willingness to change his demeanor and personality. So before he can do that, you as a sales manager, you will need to provide additional support to motivate that employee to change. And so if you do not have an understanding of his current personality, demeanor or why he's doing some of the things that he or she is doing then you will not be able to change them so once you sat them down made them aware get you've, you've gained an understanding of where they are coming from you need to be direct with them and it's just not in this when I say be direct it's not just 
in this incident of every time a problem comes up. Once you've identified who they are and you've made them aware, you've gained an understanding, now it's up to you as a sales manager to be direct and give them ample feedback. And when the problems do arise, don't dance around them. Articulate the issues to them in person as precisely as possible. If they have a difficulty collaborating with other sales team members, state it to them. When your biggest failures you can do as a sales manager or any type of manager in any organization is wait until mid-year or end-of-year evaluations for feedback. These type of individuals need feedback often and they need it in both directions. They need to be given positive reinforcement when things are going really well. They also need corrective guidance when they're not. Now, the next steps <laughs> for a lot of sales managers can be very difficult is to try to avoid drama. When conflicts arise, you need to stay calm. Remember, remember the mercenary, remember I said, they enjoy being provocateurs. I like that word, provocateurs. Do not, do not allow yourself to be drawn into the fray to where your ego starts to pull rank and you lose your temper. However tempting that may be, don't do that. Not with the mercenary. That's what they want. Avoid the drama. And lastly, you need to document clearly. The reality is thorough documentation is always necessary for clear, fact-based evaluations. Assessing objectively whether goals are achieved or not. And this is an issue I see in so many organizations. I, I mean, I can go back to, <laughs> I, you know, times when I was a manager, I took over an organization and, uh, and I had to discipline somebody or had to let somebody go because my superior wanted me to let them go. And I would go into the file and or hopefully there was a file to see what type of documentation we had to back up this termination and I'll never forget this one I'll never forget this one it was like it was like they almost made this stuff up and I was like I can't <laughs> I mean, this is what you want me to do this is how you want me to terminate them with this type of documentation this is hard I am in a pickle people solid documentation is essential should you need to build a case for termination. So let's get into the behaviors of the mercenary. Now we kind of talked about how, how, how do you approach them and what have you. Remember, no matter how a situation plays out, no matter who gets hurt in the process, the mercenary is someone who's an ultra competitor. They, I mean, they can't let it go until they convince that they've won or part, and more importantly, they can't let it go until they know that someone else is lost. That's, that's, how, that's how they think. 
you as a sales manager need to get them focused on having the entire team win rather than just themselves. So how do you do that, right? Well, one of the hint is maybe pay them a bonus based on team achievement. Maybe it's never an individual compliment, accomplishment. That's a good way to approach it. Another behavior of a mercenary, to sit there and see if this is the type of individual you have, is everything is needed as soon as possible. They are constantly expect everyone to drop whatever they're doing to help them with some of the smallest details. Even big things. Big things, small things, it doesn't flip and matter. Everything's a crisis and a top priority. I, I think I used to be a mercenary. Now that I think about it, I look back on how I used to act when I was younger. I think I was kind of a mercenary. God bless it. Some of those people had to deal with me. <laughs> it's helpful to use I statements. For example, right? This is a great example of how you, you know, use an I statement to handle someone who is, uh, who has that sense of urgency, right? Although I appreciate your sense of urgency, I will handle your issue in due time. In the meantime, perhaps you can go back to and concentrate on the things you do well that have a positive impact for your job and the company. Now, another behavior is the ego drive of the mercenary. And the ego drive has really, it's probably warped into something just very evil and sinister. <laughs> there's, a, there's like the sense of entitlement that is just way out of proportion to who they really are. And yeah, the, 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 the mercenary may be a top performer, but at the end of the day, man, they're really not curing cancer, right? But they feel the rules, guidelines, procedure, et cetera, they just don't apply to them. And it, what it does, it ends up creating a lot of resentment and chaos uh, with mere mortals who work for them, right? That's what they think of everybody. So there's mere mortals. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm the superhero of this you know, organization. It wouldn't be anything without me. Again, that's where you need to make sure they are redirected and they focus on team results. Try to bypass the ego by redirecting them with questions that give them ownership of the situation and the team. Let me give you some examples of some good questions that we use. And these are questions you ask, these are the questions you ask the mercenary. What would be the most helpful in this situation? What could you do next that would add value? What do you think you could do right now you, that would help this? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you. Here's one that I like. Let me ask you a serious question. Would you rather be right or happy? Here's another good one. What do you think is most helpful in this situation? Your amazing expertise or your opinion? Why don't you explain to me how we can make this work, right? You see how I've given them ownership of the situation? 
I've allowed them to express themselves to me. I'm gaining an understanding of not just what they're thinking, but what their approach would be and how they have now taken ownership and it's put on them and me as manager, it's not. Or I as a manager, I apologize. Hope Miss Kosky doesn't listen to me. <laughs> or Mr. Ranella. Love them both. They're my old English teachers. You fat blood idiot. Remember, the mercenary likes drama and will automatically turn everything into a hissy fit. They seem to like draw energy from the drama while like draining energy from everyone else. And this is like probably one of the most, here, I'm going to say a big word, insidious problems for these type of maintenance, high maintenance type of employees, right? Man, right. Yeah, Mr. Ronell, Mr. Klosky, you can be proud of that. I use the word insidious. Um, they create drama by intentionally stirring the pot. They gossip, they divide and conquer. They look for ways just to increase their statue at everyone else's expense. And usually it's at the expense of their manager or their boss. They do a great job of getting people all whipped up and upset over things ordinarily that wouldn't most people wouldn't really give a second thought to. They're almost like the little devil sitting on your shoulder, whispering in your ear. You know what I'm talking about? You, remember, you, know, you ever see those little in movies or cartoons, the little devils just sitting right there telling you what to do, not to do? Simpson fans, I think a little Homer had a devil and sometimes an angel. What you need to do, though, with them and dealing with them, like we talked about earlier, is set up boundaries for the behavior that you won't tolerate. Establish the boundaries. And that's not towards them. Those boundaries need to be established within your organization all around. So that way, in any type of meeting, whether it's them or somebody else, if they don't follow those boundaries that have been established and have been agreed upon by everybody, you're rejected from the meeting. If your behavior becomes obstructive. And one of the last behaviors of a mercenary is they often explode when everything's, you know, when things just don't go their way. When they think they should. They start screaming at meetings. They yell into the telephone. They get in your face. And they may apologize later. But that doesn't matter. The damage has already been done. The whole team ends up perpetually walking around on eggshells, including yourself, probably. And what you need to do is raise your intensity. Raise that intensity. And refuse to put up with unprofessional behavior. You don't need to put up with that. Don't get caught in the fray. Leave the room until they've cooled down. Are there any other options out there besides termination? Yeah, there are some other options. Like I said, if you have determined that the mercenary is extremely talented and you want to retain them, the fall here, here's some here's some development strategies that could probably help. I'm gonna give you two. One, pair them with effective mentors. And two, we've already talked about it, openly communicate with them. Now, pairing them with their effective mentors, that could, that's a dicey one, right? Because they could poison the other individual. So I think if you're going to do that, you need to openly communicate with them in the process, right? 
mentoring though can be enormously valuable for those employees i mean because they, they thrive on interaction with you know other colleagues especially colleagues that are that can be influenced you know, can be influenced right like i said the difficulty lies in finding that perfect match between a seasoned employee with the willingness and openness to mentor someone and an employee who respects that mentor and is eager to incorporate the knowledge right but if you can achieve that, it's a great employee retention approach. But you have to openly communicate with them. Give the mercenary his one-on-one -on -one or her one-on-one -on -one attention they deserve. All levels of management. And foster their creativity. So what have we done all this, Kirby? What have, what, what, what have we done all this? It's still not working. So at what point... At what point does the mercenary become more trouble than he or she is worth? If you truly believe as a sales manager, you provided direct feedback and the mercenary repeatedly chooses not to change their behavior. If you believe you've gone all through the steps and managed, communicated, documented appropriately everything that you possibly could and they are still refusing to change their behavior, still affecting everybody else's performance, then you know beyond a doubt that this situation is destructive and probably unsalvageable. Perhaps I can find new ways to motivate them. The reality is managing difficult employees takes time. But I'm telling you, it's still worth the effort in order to avoid additional hiring costs. I mean, many super talented people exhibit behaviors which like require assessments to help managers navigate these type of employees, right? I mean, knowing how your employees respond in stressful situations or how they fit with a certain management style arms you with a valuable information that you can help manage problem employees. I mean, look at Michael Jordan, the, the greatest basketball player of all time. Wasn't, wasn't the easiest guy to get along with. Wasn't the easiest teammate. Do you think Jerry Krause was going to fire Michael Jordan? Do you think Phil Jackson was going to get rid of Michael Jordan to make Steve Kerr happy? To make Will Perdue happy? No. Phil and them came to an understanding of his thought process. His teammates gained an understanding of his thought process. Michael did some self-assessment. The reality is difficult employees are always going to be in your workplace, right? Your job as a sales manager and coach is to determine the best path to ensure your sales team and the culture is productive. And the way in which you manage mercenaries or just difficult employees will not only affect your reputation as a manager, but it also affects the organization's bottom line. Now we have another employee that I want to talk about. And that employee is what I call a missile. Now a missile 
by definition, is basically an object which is forcibly propelled at a target, right? The missile on your sales team is someone who shoots down everything you try to do or say in front of you or behind your back. So how do we as sales managers turn negativity into productivity? This one's not easy. And it can be a very frustrating and time-consuming experience. So I'm going to warn you. But just ignoring it or countering with frequent negative comments, it's just going to only incite more negativity. However, being proactive can either change the missile's behavior or you just eliminate the problem that will enable your team to achieve greater productivity. So, the first thing you can do in dealing with a missile is identify the cause of the behavior. And I think there's about, you know, probably four causes for a missile, right? Some people are just dispositioned to see the negative in everything. <laughs> it doesn't matter who they are, glass is always half empty. Never half full. But while both of you are arguing about that, I drank the glass. That's a little cute saying. Anyway, let me get back on topic. <laughs> They're all every, everything's negative. Glass is always half empty, right? Um, resentment that could be a part of the behavior, right? Um, or maybe they just like attention, or they like to cover up for a lack of knowledge or skill. I do see that. I worked with, I had an employee that was that way that worked for me. That was probably the worst employee that ever worked for me. I couldn't do anything about it um, just because of political reasons. But yeah, it, she I, she was a missile, definite missile in our organization, a definite cancer to the organization. Um, I think a lot of it was because it was, you know, hers was based on resentment and uh, she liked to cover up for lack of knowledge or skill in a particular area. She was very good at what she did. But she always wanted to do more, and she just did not have the experience uh, to really understand the bigger picture. You scorpion woman! But that's not, that's not what we're here to talk about, right? So there are three approaches to managing negative behavior when it comes to this. Now, I may mention earlier, right? I and my organization, we discuss awareness quite often on all of our different processes. So you need to create awareness. Again, ignoring the behavior, sweeping under the rug, it's only going to inflame the problem with the missile and the rest of your team. Again, pull the missile aside and explain how their comments are received, not just by you, but by everyone. But the rule when giving this type of feedback is to be as positive as you are negative. Let me explain. Let me, let me try to give me an example of how to explain why maybe this missile is valued on the team and try to make it clear their impact of their behavior. 
here's how you would approach this or here's an example of how you would say something i would and i wrote this down if i was talking to missile i would say when you make negative comments the team gets stuck and we aren't able to move forward now that comment seems a little direct and it seems like it may place blame but the objective of a comment like that is it will probably bring to surface an underlying reason for the behavior, right? We're talking about those underlying reasons, you know, is it resentment, attention, lack of skill or knowledge? Um, they, you know, they just might be disproportionate that way, right? You can also reposition negative statements. Again, negativity will just fester and eventually kill your team's momentum, especially their motivation. So when negative comments arise, ask for clarification or additional information about what, what they mean. So, for example, if a missile says, this initiative is never going to work, ask the missile, why do you think that? You could also maybe ask them for alternative solutions. Well, explain to me what we can do to make sure the initiative is a success. You can also ask your team members to use but statements. And I'm not saying B-U-T-T, but statements. Ask them to follow skeptical or critical sentences with the word, but here's an example. A missile could say, this project is never going to work, but it's worth laying the groundwork now because next year we will have a new CRM system in place to help manage more relationships. Ah. It's, your job as a sales manager to be as helpful as possible to model this type of behavior for the entire team, not just the missile. Again, it's you offering constructive criticism while providing an alternative solution. So in your meetings, whether it be a sales meeting, project meetings, you're not allowed to criticize without using the word but. Try it. And one of the other things you can do with dealing with the missile is to involve the whole team. It can be very, very damaging for you to single out a team member in front of the entire team. Peer pressure is a far more effective tactic. And I have seen this recently in a couple of CMs meetings where someone gets pointed out individually and it does not, it is just not, it is never a direction to go. So how do you deal with the missiles by setting team norms and ask everyone to observe them? When we run sales meetings and I run sales meetings, I have a list of do's and don'ts and behaviors that, is, that are expected. And everyone is asked to observe them. Everyone, including yourself, 
should ask themselves these questions. Will this comment I'm about to make help our customers? A comment like, this project's never going to work, doesn't help our customers. The project is never going to work, but it's worth laying the groundwork now because next year we will have a new CRM system, dot, 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 dot. That helps your customers. Two, will this help our company? Will this comment help the person or team we're talking about? Will this comment help the person we're talking to? If you can agree on those norms, and those are four good examples, ask everybody, including yourself, to hold each other accountable to them. And lastly, for a missile, we come down to termination. When all else fails, if you just have a total asshat who's continuously disruptive and does not respond to coaching or feedback, you may ultimately just need to remove them from the team. Sometimes people are just not a good fit for a team or an organization. And it's your job as a sales manager to make that distinction. Differentiate between negativity and debate, right? And you got to make sure you do that. It's important to remember that you do not want to rid the team of inclusion and productive involvement. Disagreement's not all that bad. Even though it might not feel good or sound good, debate is actually good within your organization and you need to be able to differentiate between the two. I think a lot of problems in our world now is that we can't differentiate the difference between negativity and debate. And if I don't agree with your thought process, I just take it as negative, where it might just be a debate. I mean, concerns may be well-informed and rational and based on like intuition or insight that it might be helpful to the group. Dissenting voices are critical to check our assumptions and push our ideas. I know I got a lot of Peoria Illinois listeners, so that's where I was originally from before moving down to the great state of Georgia. But I remember a good friend of mine who he and I disagreed a lot on a lot of issues, but I gained an understanding of his thought process as we had lunches together and we talked more. And that was to all my Peoria listener fans, I'm going to drop his name, Mr. Gary Sandberg, who is no longer with us. Rest in peace. But Gary caught a lot of slack from other council members and people within the community of being someone, maybe just a missile. They thought he just liked to, he just likes to argue and debate. And he actually, he didn't. Gary's one of the most intelligent men I ever met. But what upset Gary more than anything was when the city council would just willy-nilly vote for something 11-0. 
Oh no. If no one else of the elected officials were going to do their homework and challenge any type of plan, especially when it came to taxpayer dollars, Gary was going to be that dissenting voice. And you can count on Gary not just being a dissenting voice, but being someone who dissented with factual information to back up his thought process and his concerns. So to bring it back around, differentiate between negativity and debate. Dissenting voices are critical to check our assumptions. And if you have somebody with your organization that you could have an open, honest communication and check your ego at the door, those individuals are very good. I remember when I was hired as a chief operating and financial officer, my boss at the time was sat me down before he made an offer and says, I'm hiring you to debate me because nobody else will do it. I need you to challenge me on the decisions I want to make. My culture has gotten to the point where everyone just does what I say and nobody challenges me. And I love that. That was great to wear that hat. But that's a missile, folks. Now we got one, we got time for one more individual that might be negatively as Affecting your sales organization. Well, this individual is called the mole. We all know the mole. This unique employee and member of your sales team has mastered the art of camouflage. Now, the definition of a mole is a, and if you, if you don't know if you've ever seen a mole, but it's a small mammal adapt to, adapted to a subterranean lifestyle, right? They are also considered special friends or colleagues who lurk around in your offices. That's how good they are. And just because you don't see them openly doesn't mean they don't exist. They look like everybody else. They laugh at the same jokes you make, even though they're probably bad. And they also stay back late in office with the rest of the team to show solidarity. The mole's ability to stay below the radar helps them achieve another key function. And that's to operate in the stealth mode to make a mountain out of a molehill. <laughs> For a mole, the significant erosion of personal goodwill is a small price to pay for the sense of control and security it provides them. So if there is a confrontation with a team member, it's clear where they will get their backing from. And if you've been on the receiving side, tough luck, my friend. And there's actually a scarier mutation of this type of individual. It's the shameless mole. These are salespeople who start off just like any other moles, ignorant of their true potential, 
But after years of fine tuning their art and getting the trust of their mentors, they've come out of hiding and they've kind of like moved on to the next level. They, they now look as like their camouflage is actually a part of like an extra burden on their limited resources, right? But everyone knows who they are and what purpose they serve on the team. So to them, why, why bother putting on a holier-than-thou act? You need to be professional with these individuals. Remember, a mole gathers as much information as there is freely available to them, and they use it to his or her advantage. If you talk, balk, react, or accuse, your words could be manipulated easy to their liking. If you want to survive a sales mole, you need to deal, the, deal with them on a professional level. You need to first identify how, who they are, that they are a mole, and never, ever give them too much information. Whether it's about your life or about your work. Protect yourself and your team and everybody's career. Easiest way to do that is just keep everything about your work and your sales team's work confidential and do your job. That way, the mole won't have any ammo to fire you or anyone else. If the mole is not involved in a particular project, don't involve them. Protect your file. I mean, protect your electronic files, passwords. Lock your drawers and desk. I'm telling you, there are people out there like this. If you have a secretary or assistant, make sure you warn them about keeping things confidential, in particular people coming to ask questions and digging. Have your sales team focus on performance. One of the worst things you can do with a mole is fight back by playing their game or just playing games in general with them. I mean, when you're placed at a disadvantage by a mole, your first instincts are probably like, I need to fight back by getting all sorts of negative information about that person. Don't do it. Do not fall for the eye for an eye philosophy. It will 100% of the time backfire on you from the rest of the team and the organization. Never, ever lash back. If a mole finds you as a target, it would seem like a natural action to just simply let them have it. You need to stay calm and do not let loose. If not, you'll be doing them all a huge favor. They live for the attention and gladly participate in the scene you somehow created. You have to maintain your composure. If you don't, the more love to see vulnerability in their leaders and their team members. Do not let them see yours. Remember, I was talking about an individual that was a missile earlier but I think she was a hybrid and she was 
a mole, but I think she was the hybrid mole as well. I mean, she was, it was just out there, but for whatever reason, it just, it is what it is. And I failed at dealing with that individual and I knew better and I knew how to deal with individuals like that. But for whatever reason, I could not deal with this particular one. I could go back and look at times where I lost my composure at times that I said, I'll play that game with you, which was just absolutely stupid. The reality is that the moles on your sales team or within your organization, they have a lot of time. So give them work to do. If you have that authority to give them work, give them work. If they have work, their gray matter will be focused on the task and not their destructive ways. If their brain is working, their flipping mouth shuts up. Avoid accusing someone of being a mole. Because if you accuse someone of being a mole, you should have a really solid evidence to prove it. If you don't, just keep your mouth shut. But you need to spot them. You need to know who they are. As mentioned, never attempt to out a suspected mole. However, you still may find these characteristics helpful in identifying who you're dealing with. And some of those characteristics are the following. This is how we spot a mole. Their job responsibilities have been marginalized. They may feel insecure in their positions and they may resort to like snitching just to cast themselves in a more favorable light to you or other managers or executives, thus avoid losing their jobs. I mean, there are always those people who just want revenge and don't care who has to pay. They disrespect their colleagues and team members. Or here's the saying my mom used to tell me. I mean, she didn't talk about sales, so I'll put it in a sales frame for you. But if one of your sales members constantly talks trash about other employees in public to you, I bet there's a better than average chance that they are also doing so behind closed doors with or about management too. And they're probably doing it to you. The mole will drag down other employees and prove once and for all that they should really have a job or promotion. You as a sales manager need to recognize what is really happening and that the information that they provide is not necessarily beneficial to you or your team. Kind of reminds me of The Bachelor. Anybody watch The Bachelor? I probably shouldn't even admit that I, wa I used to watch that show. I don't watch it much anymore, but I used to. But you always saw the moles or the individuals that would come up to The Bachelor or The Bachelorette and try and talk to them about how bad someone is and how they're bad for them and dot, dot, dot. That person, I swear, almost 90% of the time never received a rose the next time around. These individuals probably also constantly hang around common areas. You always see them hanging around the water cooler, the kitchen, the break room, 
other areas that you know other people in seem to congregate around it, but they are always there. They, I mean, they also might fawn over you to your face and other managers, right? The, the, a bull is usually someone who likes to flatter others who have power as much as the gossip. And, and these two, you know, the gossip and the fawning over someone tend to go hand in hand. The mole will probably use any FaceTime they get with you or other managers to point out other employees' wrongdoings, to cast themselves in a more favorable light, and to make sure that the higher-ups are aware of their own vigilance and staunch adherence to company policies. You scumbag, ask it, sir. They also probably never seem to leave the office. Ninety-nine percent of the time, those who work long hours are actually working hard. Not necessarily smart, but hard. Remember this, though. Long work days give a mole the chance to witness other workers' comings, goings, and their activities. So, if one of your coworkers has a constant office presence, and they display all of the aforementioned warning signs you may have found your mole never reward the mole rewarding a mole with a promotion or work on a big project only encourages them to continue their destructive behavior the mole will just naturally connect the reward with the tattling and will begin to bombard you with tales of the latest employee indiscretions and gossip. Do not reward this type of behavior. But like how we deal with the other types of employees, the mole has to be explained to why their behavior is counterproductive. As previously mentioned, Workers are likely to become very paranoid once they know that the sales team has a divisive member. Explain to the mole how he or she is creating animosity and affecting everyone's productivity and positivity. But with the mole... You need to lay out repercussions as a proactive measure. A little bit different. With a mole, you need to explain why their behavior is counterproductive, then lay out repercussions. And when that has failed, you need to set up a meeting with HR. To remove yourself from the situation, a busybody should be referred to the HR department. And there, 
HR can issue further warnings or take the appropriate disciplinary measures for someone who causes havoc by gossiping. Remember, a workforce or sales team built on trust will be more positive, more productive, more effective, and successful. Let me repeat that one more time before we end the show. A workforce or sales team built on trust will be more positive, more productive, more effective, and more successful. See that? Pure power. You can use the Nicholsworth, Jr. Folks, as mentioned at the beginning of the show, I am a Real Men Wear Pink 2020 ambassador, and I'm raising funds, $5,000 to be exact, if you want to see this beautiful manliness shaved off my face to help fight breast cancer. I need $5,000. And this is the last week. October ends this week, folks. So I need all my listeners to go to our podcast page, hit listener support button, and donate there. 100% of those proceeds on that button are going to the Real Men Wear Pink campaign. And if you don't trust me, how do you not want to trust a salt and pepper guy with a beautiful beard? But if you don't and you still want to help fight breast cancer, it's a great cause. Folks, the American Cancer Society is down on funds this year because of the pandemic. People aren't getting the help they need in seeking medical attention that they require because of the pandemic. So, we need your help. Go to my American Cancer Society Real Men Wear Pink campaign page at main.acsevents.org slash go to slash curfew and donate there to help fight this deadly disease. And if you just want to be cool and wear some merch and still support this, you can go to my website at www.acsexec.com, go to the merchandise button, buy one of these kick-ass t-shirts or hats, and not only will you help fight breast cancer, you get to sport your favorite business podcast out there. I also want to remind everyone to subscribe to the show at anchor.fm slash bizwiththebeard. Then share it with your friends on all your social media pages. Don't forget, while you're on Anchor subscribing, if you want to feature your business by being a title sponsor of a future episode, just message us or you can hit the list of support and we can feature your business or you at the beginning of the show. Also, contact me directly at C-U-R-P-H-Y at A-C-S-E-X-E-C dot com if you want to be a title sponsor. But as always, friends, 
I'm grateful to all our listeners who tune in on all the amazing podcast platforms out there. To name a few, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and many, many more. But as for this show, my friends, it's in the books. Adieu, adieu, parting is such sweet sorrow. But never fear, the beard will always be here. And until next time, same beard time, same beard channels. Thank you for listening to hashtag biz with the beard. Remember, every genius idea starts with the stroke of a beard. Have a successful day. Hey, hashtag biz with the beard podcast fans. You may have noticed that the beard has gone pink. Well, there is a reason why we are going pink through the end of October. And that is because we are an ambassador for the Real Men Wear Pink 2020 campaign to help the American Cancer Society raise money to help fight breast cancer. So why do I wear pink? I think we all can agree that cancer sucks. Breast cancer especially sucks because it affects everyone. If you were like me, you probably know of someone who has had it, fought it, survived it, or unfortunately has lost their battle with this awful disease that affects millions of women. Recently, some very dear friend and family members were diagnosed with it. I have also had several friends die from cancer, and that is why I'm stepping up and asking you to step up as well to fight breast cancer with all that we got. So help me make a difference by supporting my Real Men Wear Pink campaign by hitting the listener support button on our podcast page at anchor.fm biz with the beard or go to my personal American Cancer Society Real Men Wear Pink campaign page at www.main.acsevents.org slash go to slash curfew C-U-R-P-H-Y. Donate or even $1,000 and help me fight breast cancer. Every day, the American Cancer Society is saving more lives for breast cancer than ever before. They're helping people take steps to reduce their risk of breast cancer or find it early when it's easier to treat. They provide free information and services when and where people need it the most. They fund groundbreaking breast cancer research and they're working to ensure access to mammograms for women who need them. So help me step up and wear pink with the beard now through October and donate to this needy cause. Thank you and have a successful day. Hey, hashtag biz with beard and bald fans. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It was brought to you by ACS Executives. Let me ask you something. 
As an entrepreneur or business owner, are you tired of struggling with running your business? Do you feel you could drive more revenue, improve your profits, and run more efficiently if you had a little help? Well, you are not alone, and there is a solution for you. Like many small businesses, as the owner, you wear a lot of hats. And why wouldn't you? You started this thing, so you were very careful and particular about it. Well, at ACX Executives, we do a deep dive into your business to help your business grow revenues, improve profits, acquire capital, and run more efficiently. We just don't point out problems. We help you resolve them through our family of companies and the solutions they provide. We share some of the best practices and processes and coach you and your team through them. Our suite of quality products and services will help you get there quickly and smoothly. That's how we ensure your success. So visit us at acsexec.com or call us at 1-800-495-6505 and schedule a free 30-minute consulting assessment. Have a successful day, and we hope you enjoy today's episode of Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald.